when you are using one of those centralized platforms, social media platforms, you're basically giving away not just data, but your social capital. And the big difference between, let's say, something like financial capital and social capital is that financial capital is something that some people have to some extent. Some people have it more, some people have it less. But social capital is something that every single person in the planet has. Everyone has relationships. And what decentralized social media is, and specifically what Lens Protocol is uh, solving, is that you have ownership of your social capital that you are creating online. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GM, GM, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm here with Stani, founder and CEO of Lens Protocol and Ave. Man, this is going to be a cool episode. We're going to talk about everything Web3 social. I kind of think this is going to be like a masterclass on the topic. And if you've got questions about the future of Web3 and social media and how to get involved, I think this episode is going to be for you. So Stani, thanks for joining today. How are you doing? Thank you, Josh, for having me here. It's super great to be here. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I've been a user of Lens for a couple months now. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my profile. I've been experimenting with LensTube, with Lenster. And I don't know if you realize this, but you actually encouraged me to put my uh, post up for a small amount of Matic. And you might have been the first collector of content of mine for a oh, wow. paid amount. I think it was like a one Matic or something like that or half a Matic. <laughs> and so I just wanted to say thank you for that. It really inspired, honestly, it inspired me as a creator. And I hope to pass on you know, some of those lessons learned and even learn more myself during this talk about how others can do the same. Because what NFTs have shown me is that content can be collectible now, right? And mm-hmm. valued. So I think that's an interesting thing we'll dive into. But to start off, can you tell us, you know, what is decentralized social media and why is that one of the things that you're so focused on building right now within Web3? Decentralized social media. So the way I like to always kind of explain is that creating social relationships and social capital is something we're doing all the time as human behavior. So looking back in history and even today, we create relationships at work, in schools, and in our free time. Many of the things we're doing is based on those social relationships, in fact. So for example, if you're borrowing, let's say, sugar from your neighbor without paying anything for it, that is based on your social relationship and the social capital you have, as an example. But recently, for the past couple of decades, more and more of this these social interactions actually are happening over the internet. So today, most of the relationship we create are online. So we have this interesting, fascinating infrastructure of internet that we built, you know, went from something that you could only read. So you can gather information, read about people, about different topics across the internet, globally, on demand. With Web2, it became more easier to actually create content, 
network with other people, connect with other people. And that's what basically internet is today. So we have 5 billion users online and almost equal amount. It's somewhere 4.8 billion of social media users. It's a lot. We're constantly having that interactions online and creation of social capital. Now, what's interesting here is that much of that content, so the example that you gave about creating content on Lens is a good kind of like a jump point to this topic because you know we constantly create that content online and we share news with our peers, we create our audiences, but we really don't actually own those networks that we create. And what happens is actually that when you are using one of those centralized platforms, social media platforms, you're basically giving away not just data, but your social capital. And the big difference between, let's say, something like financial capital and social capital is that financial capital is something that some people have to some extent. Some people have it more, some people have it less. But social capital is something that every single person in the planet has. Everyone has relationships. And what decentralized social media is, and specifically what Lens Protocol is solving, is that you have ownership of your social capital that you are creating online. That means you can create a profile that you own. You can connect to different peers and create your audience, your follower base that you own. And by ownership, I mean is when we think about something like owning money, owning like Bitcoin or Ethereum, there's no middleman between you and that you know, infrastructure and assets. In the same way, there's no middleman between you and your profile and the audience you create. So it changes the dynamics how we build and interact with social. Yeah, And that's what it is. It's giving the power back to the users. Now, I like that you brought up ownership because it was definitely top of my mind for this episode. And I almost want to start before talking about why ownership within Web3 Social is so important. Can you also set the stage for why that's a problem in the current form of Web2? Like, I think most of my friends, they're not really thinking about do I own my Twitter account or my Instagram followers? And it's not necessarily important to them, maybe because they've never really lost it before. But can you set the stage of why that lack of ownership in Web2 is important for everyone and not just creators? And then let's dive a little deeper into what that means, like what you can do once you own it in Web3. Yeah, I think like even like losing your, let's say your account or getting involved is one thing for sure. But I think like one bigger thing that is happening with what Lens Protocol is trying to achieve and what we believe Web3 Social should be about is giving that power back to the users. So we believe that users that are using these networks and applications, they should have a saying on what they're actually using. And if you look at now with the bigger social media platforms, when you're locked into that platform, meaning that you can't really take your audience elsewhere and make a digital exit. That means that effectively you have to, you know, whatever the platform does changes their policies. That can be, for example, content moderation. That can be user experience. That can be algorithms that maybe you're not favored anymore amongst the creators if you're a creator or you're not getting the content that you actually care about. Twitter does this today. You know, they recommend you things that they think you like, but you don't really follow and care about. That's something that I've seen recently. I think it was Hayden Adams, Uniswap founder, was actually like expressing his opinion that he doesn't like that. So like you don't really have a choice there. You don't have freedom yeah. of actually, you know, deciding what you want to consume. 
And if you have that ownership as a user, it means that the applications and algorithms that are built on top of the Lens protocol, you know, on top of a decentralized infrastructure, it means that now the users can actually have the freedom to vote with their feed which applications they are more aligned with and which algorithms they're more aligned with as well. Meaning yeah. that these applications become actually communities that the users are choosing to align with. Interesting. So basically by having ownership of your profile, you can switch between different applications. And sometimes it sounds like they may be similar. Like we're going to dive into Lenster in a minute, but Lenster is the essentially the equivalent of Web3 Twitter. And so if tell me if what I'm hearing is correct. There could be like four versions of Lenster, each with correct. different algorithms. And you can choose to use the one that feels like it's the feed that's right for you. And that portability is what it owning your Web3 presence and profile and identity is uh, what it allows versus on Twitter. There's only one Twitter. You can't move from there. So you're kind of locked into that algorithm. Is Am I tracking that right? Yeah. So for example, I mean, Lenser is a good example because that's community built application. So when we launched Lens Protocol this year in March, we had a testnet. We had a, a big hackathon, LF Grow. So there was over 500 hackers or 100 submissions. And on later May, we actually launched the mainnet. So in between during that hackathon, Lenser was one of the projects that one developer built as a community-facing front-end for the Lens protocol. And it was built relatively quickly because you don't have to focus on that backend infrastructure and let the network to actually do the, the growth hacking and most of yeah. the heavy lifting. And you can focus on that experience. So in terms of the Lenser, what's interesting is it's open source. So it provides you simple experience built on top of the Lens protocol. Anyone can actually come and fork Lenser and create their own version and interpretation of it and also add algorithms in between. Yeah. So this is the exciting part. So something that could be very kind of like applicable as well is that if you will go to Reddit today and each different subreddit will have their own algorithms and experiences and ta tailored for their communities. And Lancer is just desktop application. So there's other apps built. There's, for example, Orb, which is a application that is more focused on mobile. There's a new one called Butterfly. It's kind of like a similar mobile experience in favor and a bunch of other apps being built. So like all these applications, they can actually create their own interpretation and yeah. tailor specific use case algorithm. Some might be, there's, for example, Lenstat, which is kind of like focusing on the images, for example. So you will see this, this creativity coming with variations. So I think that leads me to a thought, which is like, this sounds, I, I like everything you're saying here. And I think for a, maybe a social power user, I mean, I'm on social every day, like I'm trying to find that best experience. Do you think that's what the average person on social is looking for? Or does that feel like too much work, you know, f sorting through a sea of applications to find the right one, while it could lead to a better experience, I get almost concerned or or, you know, if I'm going to strongman the argument, I'm thinking, you know, users don't want to put in work to find content. They just want content yeah. fed to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's different kinds of use, I would say, like user modes. I would say that in some cases, like you want to just consume the content and you want to, you want the content to be exactly what you care about and want yeah. at that point, you know, and the whole 
you know, idea of attention span is getting lower. You know, it's like, I don't know where the numbers are, but I think it's like 12, 15 seconds for millennials, like less for Gen Zs. So they need, you know, quick content, short content, for example. But then there is still content that is long form posts that people enjoy as well. And some people enjoy discovery as well, finding new things. So, and curating and then creating curator uh, creations. Pinterest is a good example where you want to, you know, you want to curate ideas and, and create your own uh, curation. It really depends on the use case, in my opinion. But what is valuable is that when you are kind of like a building on the same infrastructure as the other applications, you can decide what kind of experiences and data you want to curate for the users. So, for example, that if your application is focused on music discovery, you can use the Lens protocol you can curate the content across the whole protocol about music, and then you can add specific additional data points and create algorithms to to find the music that you might actually enjoy and add machine learning there and have very transparent way of how you build algos. It basically lowers the barrier to entry to build new things and new experiences. And at the same time, it brings a lot of flexibility for users to choose where they want to spend their time in. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting how you can give flexibility back to the user to find the community and the content that they're really attracted to and want more of. And along, so we're kind of talking about ownership of your social identity here. And mm-hmm. it's very much in line with what Unstoppable Domains is thinking about, like owning your Web3 username. How can you attach that Web3 domain to kind of all your touch points across? Web3, whether it's social, your wallet transactions, et cetera. And so I've had a lot of discussions about reputation and how that is associated mm-hmm. with your identity. And I'm curious, have you and Len started to think about what reputation looks like within a Web3 social world? Like the kind of engagement you have with other people's posts, yours, is that something we can start tracking once you own your you know, your lens profile across all these different kinds of social apps? Even boiling down to like the identity part first. So like, I think identity is more of a spectrum of different kinds of data points that create something that what an entity is, for example, Mm. what you might be. So the way I usually tell to people is that, for example, a passport or an ID card isn't identity. You know, it's just one data point of what you are, right? So and the same thing is like your ongoing on-chain activity can become identity for you, like what describes what you are. And, you know, based on those data points, you can decide how much of uh, data categories, data points you need that you form an identity. In some cases, it's enough to have, let's say, lens profile, you know, that is token as an NFT. That's one data point. In some cases, you want to have something more. Maybe you want to have proof of humanity, verification as well. And that's enough of an identity for you. And also like maybe proving that someone is a human and exists. So it depends like how wide in the scale you want to go. Does that mean you see like your lens identity as one of those touch points that catches a lot of your social interactions, like as part of your identity? It, It may not be your whole encompassing identity, but it's your social graph that you can start to build out. Exactly. So for example, that's your lens profile bundles up the interactions that you might have, for example, on Web3 Social, 
the network that you create, it basically creates a lot of identity. And the thing with Lens Protocol is that it allows you to you know, verify the data. So let's say that if I follow you on chain, that's verified data and verified data point that can be used anywhere, whatever you want to create a use case for that. But I can also follow you on a database or some other kind of off-chain infrastructure if I don't want to publicly signal that, for example. So there's kind of like a different ways to think about it. And the protocol gives that just verified data layer there. And what's interesting is that I think the blockchain itself is already social. But what we do with Lens is that we kind of like make it more social to allow you to actually make those peer connections and publish content to your audience, for example, and make them also all the user-generated content also optionally as NFTs so you can actually you know, monetize or create additional use cases. So, And when I say that the blockchain is already social, for example, if someone buys an NFT and you see that and you go and buy it, that's a uh, social behavior, for example. And same if you are using... DeFi protocols based on some other, you know, yeah. users' usage. So I think that the Lens protocol is kind of like an extension of that and bundles a lot of reputation. And then I actually think very highly about what you could do with reputation because once you create that social identity, you could actually start using it in interesting use cases, for example. And civil Please, resistance give us is a, one Give example. us a few examples. Civil resistance is one example. For example... There's a game called Avagachi. It's deployed on Polygon. It's been there for a couple of years now. And they basically have this idea of normally you have to use Avagachis to play the game, but they have once a week this time slot when you can come and everyone can play the game and it's fun. But they have also bot activity, for example. Instead, you could actually use the lens profiles and your strength of your reputation to actually participate. So... The reputation is also means that it's not only that you minted a lens profile because you know eventually a script can do that. That's the way we're going towards to a permissionless minting of lens profiles. But then obtaining that reputation, you know, it takes the connections, who follows you back, who actually shares your content and what you publish, and that so can it's be al- used outside. It, is it almost like you know we've you can track, we're at the early stages now, but we can track your positive engagements within the Lens protocol you know, community of applications. And if we see you're someone who posts, collects, gets feedback and engagement on your own profile, that gives you access to this game. It's like token gating based yeah. on chain interactions in a social setting. Yeah, it's basically like reputation gating or something similar based on your Lens reputation. Yeah. I already know, you know, I'm going to hear people listening to this pod that are going to say, we're gating things based on your reputation, and maybe that's a bad thing. And, you know, I think maybe I'd like to get a quick counter argument from you. I, I think that while I could see some things needing to be accessible to all, I also see the value of saying, hey, you need to be a positive contributor of this community in order to yeah. engage in the things we do. And over time, you might see algorithms that do sentiment analysis or can start using this NLP, like we're seeing chat GPT pop off right now. Like there's totally natural language processing algorithms that can look at the words you're posting on these social profiles and see, you know, are you being mean or are you being nice? I mean, that's a basic example, but like we only want nice people to partake. Like, is that a world where we could start seeing reputation gating being used at? 
Yeah, and also like I think I personally I build things and contribute to ecosystem where you always have access. So that's what Aave is all about. We the Aave protocol is about access to finance. Everyone, any part of the world, has the same equal opportunity to financial opportunities. With Lens, mm-hmm. same equal opportunity to take ownership of your social capital. And I think in terms of like once you have that base infrastructure that is you know open source, uh, permissionless, that is the kind of a key basis. And goes aligned with the way we operate in Ethereum ecosystem. So we have you, anyone can, for example, run a get node. It's free software, you know, but not many people do. They might use a service provider that they trust. So there's always different kinds of levels. But the beauty of something like Lens Reputation is that because the data is there, but there can be countless different kinds of interpretation models. So someone might score better for something else. Someone can actually run the data and score better. And when you have this open data set, the most exciting reputation score system will be the one that is aligned with the community ethos and value. I think that's that's going to be the kind of a key important thing to achieve. Very cool. Now, I appreciate those takes on reputation. I mean, I could, we could do a whole pod on just reputation alone, but I got a thousand questions. So we'll jump from this for now. You mentioned creators a minute ago, and I wanted to talk about monetization around content and specifically like how does decentralized social help creators monetize? The creator economy is a big topic within Web3. We're seeing it just be more of a part of who we follow being like creators versus brands. So what trends are you seeing for creators generating revenue within Lens or maybe Web3 social at large? In general, like creators are very, I'd say, disincentivized at the moment. So, like you to become a creator and to build an audience, especially in a bigger platform, it's a very high proof of work. Like you have to put a lot of effort to do yeah. that. I don't have a big audience, but I have a couple hundred thousand followers, for example, on Twitter. It's big. Yeah, but it's not growing there. You know, it, it grows as crypto grows or as DeFi grows or Web3 social. So it's a lot of work to actually have a audience that you want to grow and then benefit from. And I think the bigger social media platforms, definitely they've realized that, you know, they don't really share much of that revenue with creators. And I think it's just incentives not being aligned and, and creators having now more choices. Maybe that has helped them to kind of like reconsider to sharing some of the profit as well. So I think that's going to happen regardless of Web3 social and decent, like decentralized social. But what I think is valuable is that when actually the users, they have their ownership and the power back, that actually balances the whole system in a way where, you know, you have to start thinking of creators, users first, because Web3 and the ownership idea is that you put the users pretty much like on the forefront and think what is best for them and create this kind of like a feed, healthy feedback loop and then you're able to grow your business because you're servicing your user base as efficiently as possible. And that creates brand and brand awareness brings more users. So I think with the monetization in Lens Protocol, we try to stay away of building monetization tools, but we built a couple of specific ones into the protocol itself. So one interesting thing that we noticed is that with the creator economy, NFTs became a very valuable way of actually creating and identifying and verifying content that the creators are creating 
and creating fan bases around the content itself globally around digital content. So we saw that happening in the NFT boom on art. We see it actually extending into music NFTs a bit as well. But also, you know, it can work regardless of the medium. So long form posts, I mean, Mirror has also, you can collect the actual post as well in long form. Yeah. So we believe that user-generated content can be as NFTs. Not every content has to be, but the creator can actually decide, I'm going to monetize this piece of content because I think it's valuable for me and valuable for the community. So there's the intent. And then you can actually collect fees from that as people are collecting. And then the second yeah. monetization tool is the mirroring. So you can actually share someone else's content to your own audience and share the fees between the content amplifier, so whoever curates your content, and the creator. I think it's quite interesting because on average, I think we're now earning roughly, it's like something between five to 10 US dollar worth of revenue per profile across the whole protocol, So, which means there's 105,000 profiles at the moment. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting in, in the closed beta at this point. So, you know, I mean, I put up a post and made it collectible too, and you would encourage me to do so on Twitter. And <laughs> I might have gotten five collects, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was really the first time that I felt like someone valued the thing I posted for actual monetary value. And I wonder, are, is the collecting we're seeing right now just because there's a people are really excited about it and wanting to support their friends? Or is it, you know, true fans that are collecting? I guess, are there any incentives that you're seeing some of the people who are leading the charge in putting up content that for whether it's for collecting or for mirroring for a charge? Like, is there anything they're really doing to incentivize that outside of just being kind of early to the game and experimenting with this feature? I've seen some interesting things regarding to incentivizing creating more content and more music, for example. So some of the things that has increased organically a lot is the music content on Lens, which is kind of fascinating because there isn't yet a proper app for music. Mm. For me, Lenser is, is more like, feels like Reddit, but it has like Twitter kind of interactions, but you can find music, there's a music player, there's LensTube, for example, but specifically like just music by itself and music posts has been like, been a big driver organically on Lenser across the Lens protocol. But what is fascinating is that a lot of people are collecting now the effort. So when you see a specific post with a lot of effort, which is usually someone writes a song or and plays it or someone creates beats and publishes that creativity, you see a lot of collects or videos. We are starting to see quite a lot of this kind of activity where the users want to reward of oh, people believe in what we're doing with decentralized social and with the collects and they want to support. I think down the line, you can do more interesting things as well. Like you can, you know, if someone collects something, like if you collect music, you get something also shipped to your address that can be added with the smart contract compatibility because all the functions are modulized. I feel like I'm looking for tools that once someone collects and as a creator, you can then find ways to engage with that wallet address. Is is that kind of information accessible to someone on Lens right now in terms of someone collects my post, I can go and see all the addresses collected and you know select those people to then distribute content to? Or is that kind of yeah. token gating 
access really not on platform and you do that somewhere else? Yeah, there's both. There's a tool called LensDrop. So you can actually look into the addresses and drop something for those users. But also actually something that, that is coming into LensShare pretty much quite soon now is the token-gated content with Lit Protocol. There's already actually a separate application. I can't remember the name, but effectively you can create a post and encrypt it and, and only certain users that you select or they hold a specific NFT or that NFT is a specific collection or a follow NFT or profile NFT and you can gate it, gate that content. So yeah. that's pretty much like available on a uh, standalone application and that's something that Lancer is actually now integrating as well. Yeah, I've seen like you and other people from the community post things around different apps and applications that are you know accessible within Lens. There's so many, and it can be hard mm -hmm. to track them all and know what they all do. So you just dropped a couple right there. I'm gonna be look. I'll be looking into Lens Drop for sure because I actually wasn't familiar with them. There's so much cool things happening. Boson Protocol. So they they actually created a Lens module where like smart contract module for the collects where you have this kind of like an escrow, so you can claim a physical. So you can use it to create like a shop inside of the Lens protocol. That's very fascinating. And it's just like there's every day something new and I try to share as much as possible. And I feel sometimes yeah. guilty that I'm spamming a lot of the things that are built by the users, but I, I just feel it's very valuable to share what people build and create during times like this. Totally. So yeah, I had a, I had a question for you around what the playbook should be for a content creator trying to use Lens to you know, grow their community, maybe monetize, but someone who uses Web2 and is trying to figure out how to transition and use Web3. So let's, you know, I'm a podcaster, so I would love, I mean, I would selfishly, I'd love to hear a little bit of this playbook for myself. You know, I have my Lens profile. I've posted a couple times, but I'm trying to figure out how do I use that platform and grow a community there? Can you share some tips or uh, maybe an example playbook that you would use or think through? Yeah, I mean, this is interesting because I've seen some of the podcasts in posted on LensTube and some of them are quite quite amazing. There's Rehash is doing one. Bankless is also sharing their podcast. And I think there's two ways to go with it. So for example, LensTube has so-called bytes. So kind of like you can create small clips of very interesting takes during the podcast so like that's something that you could do and i would use as to tease the upcoming podcast that you might be editing at that point so it goes quite well like while you're editing a podcast you could take some of those clips and share as bytes yeah you know down the line maybe a week earlier and until the actual launch of the podcast and i think like what makes a lot of sense for collects so if you want to target people to collect the content to make it as memorable and important podcast. You might not want to ma make everything collectible, but maybe create some sort of rarity as well. So maybe only the 10 people can collect and have that memory of the podcast and limiting the actually supply there. That's one of the things. But also like, I, I would say it really depends on the podcast, but I would have those clips and then like more general podcasts shared there. And I think people find content quite easily. So, you know, if you're posting about Web3, sharing whatever kind of like interviews you're doing on podcasts, people really care about that. They will find the content, they will mirror and, and it, it will get traction. I think the most yeah. important thing is to think of like, what's the most 
kind of like valuable thing for you and, and focus on that and people will find you. Yeah. And your are do you find that creators are posting like the content natively to, you know, LensTube, for example, or is it mm-hmm. or is it sharing a YouTube video link like within your post and that's how you're sharing it? People usually post natively. There is, for example, you might you might see the same content on LensTube and YouTube or someone else. Especially when it comes to collects, people want to collect the original the actual file. The actual, yeah, exactly. The link to the actual file, which makes it like, oh, like I own the piece of content of this compared to like in YouTube, you saw the video and you don't really have the connection with it. But with, with collects, you can create that collection. And usually yeah. what's interesting is that the people who share and amplify the content, they're actually incentivized to do so because they can actually also monetize from those collects and also create interesting curations and curation brings also followers. So it sounds like, you know, for me, I'm posting this podcast on the typical streaming platforms on YouTube, mm-hmm. I'm sharing it on Twitter. But if I then go ahead and also share it on Lens and I can set these podcasts for like 10 collects limited per episode, I can build a collector base over time and maybe in a couple months or whenever, really whenever I want on my own schedule, use another Lens application like Lens Drop to find those addresses and be able to gift them something specifically or make a new podcast that's only accessible to collectors like that is that a way you know someone might use this yeah exactly and also you could do completely exclusive content for let's say lens protocol let's mm-hmm. say you do you, you post on lens tube and have a higher collect fees and, and kind of like a signal that you are like completely native creator and we have that on specifically on music side, which is very cool. So you see musicians creating songs, songs, posting that on Lenser, and you see a lot of collects because everyone loves those like early native creators. And I think that, you know, there is an audience. I mean, Lens protocol is beta. Yeah. It's not yet permissionless in terms of the minting of the profiles. It will be very soon. But you have that interesting audience there that that actually wants to have creators as well. So you get a lot of support there. I think like that's one of the ways to go as well, that you go completely web three. And, and, and you, if you think about it, Lens Protocol is the only way for anyone to create also non-custodial social media. You know, if you are like Anon and you want to, you know, you want to create a Twitter profile, you need to give a email or let's say a phone number. Obviously you can create an, you know, email, but with Lens, you don't have to do that at all. So yep. even DAO can have a Lens profile, which is very cool. And it can be even so cool that you could, you know, if there is a governance vote of smart contract payload, let's say in the Ava DAO, part of that payload could be like post the change log on Lens protocol, which is very cool. Yeah. Awesome. No, great breakdown. Appreciate you sharing those insights. If you're creating, I don't know, I encourage you to go over, make a lens profile. You might need access for that still, but you can DM me, maybe be able to DM Stani too and uh, and get access. So we, one of us can help you out. And I'm going to be experimenting too. I want to post this podcast on mm-hmm. LensTube natively and do something cool with it. I don't want to say exactly how we're going to incentivize a collection, but we're going to be talking offline. I'll be talking with the Lens team and, and figuring something cool out. So if you're a, a fan of the protocol, you got a Lens account, give me a follow at joshgordon.lens and uh, you'll, be, you'll be seeing it soon.
Um, but so let's dive into a couple community questions and then wrap up the pod. I posted mm -hmm. to Twitter, you retweeted it. We got some good questions here that I want to throw out to you. We'll kind of do them rapid fire. First one, what's your favorite project using lens or couple, one of them it doesn't have to be your absolute favorite. One of them comes to mind. Well, this is hard because, you know, there is, there's just so many things happening and I feel that everything out there is very valuable, but one thing I specifically want to highlight is the lens lists. So there was this application where you could actually check like who are your Twitter followers, like who are your friends from Twitter on Lens. The same developer team, I don't know who they are. They also created this ability to, to curate who to follow lists on Lens. And I think this is very valuable because manual curation of lists helps to see like who to follow. Like what are the music creators? What are, you know, people yep. who are thought leaders, for example, or people who post good memes. And I think that's very valuable. It's very simple. It's more of a tool, but I think very. I think it's very valuable. Awesome. I like that. Another question. Many projects just talk about long-term vision and mission, but what are your short-term goals? What are you focusing on right now? So right now is the Lens V2. That's the main focus and make it scalable and usable for mainstream. That's the main focus now. Cool. I like that. Usability, UX, big focuses for us at Unstoppable as well. Last question from the community. And just because it got so many questions on, on the tweet, <laughs> even though I didn't necessarily would have asked you myself, but when Lens? People want to know, are, you, are we dropping a token? Well, the thing is with Lens Protocol, end of the day, it's a piece of software, what we're building more or less. But end of the day, like when you think about these protocols, at some point they they need to be community owned. Mm -hmm. But it's still very early in terms of like the development, what is happening. So for me, what's interesting to see is that whenever you launch a protocol and create infrastructure on chain, you usually have to get some protocol market fit. And it seems that there's a lot of support for Lens and a lot of use cases, which is nice to see. And I actually would love to see more for the applications starting to monetize. So especially sharing the collect fees with the creators because they provide those experiences. And if the developers are also incentivized, we get better applications. Yeah. Good answer there. Thanks for sharing that. I, you know, you guys are crushing it as a team. So before you just start, you know, decentralizing everything and giving it back to the community, you know, it's awesome to see you just continue to build it out the way that the team envisions. Mm -hmm. So let's move to the one, two, web three, three rapid fire questions to end the pod. First one for you is who's an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, collector that's really inspired or educated you? I think definitely person who requires a lot of sh shout out is, is definitely Adam Levy. He has been very, very active of like thinking of how, you know, the space will evolve. But at the same time, he's basically a creator. At the same time, he's an influencer. At the same time, he's also a builder. So I think that's a person that needs definitely more recognition as well. Triple threat. Like it. Second question. What's your favorite NFT? Favorite NFT? I think now the Sonar emojis are my favorite. So Sonar is this small metaverse application, which is going to be integrating the Lens protocol as well. And because it's so simple end of the day, because it's an emoji, but more in a kind of like a 3D shape as well. So that's my favorite. I also like Finulars. They're pretty cool. And, and obviously crypto comments as well. <laughs> yep. And every piece of content you've collected on Lens, of course. Exactly. Last <laughs> question for you. In five years, what's the craziest thing you think we'll be doing in the metaverse that people just aren't thinking about yet? 
you know, there's a lot of crazy things that you could do on Metaverse, but maybe something that is very kind of like less crazy, but very like positively impactful is that, you know, people will educate themselves and learn through Metaverse. So I, I think the future might be that we don't go to public places or schools, but we have a lot of learning in actual, in virtual environment. I think that could be very, and not so crazy, but very cool. For sure. Yeah. The ability to do telepresence and meet in virtual environments. I think it's going to be big. Totally. Well, Stani, thank you so much for joining the Unstoppable Podcast. I learned about Web3 Social. Hope everyone listening can really help take this conversation and talk to their friends, their family about it. Uh, because this decentralized social media thing, I think not everyone's able to wrap their head around it fully, but it seems to be one of the fastest growing use cases really of Web3 and NFTs right now. So important topic, important conversation to have. Can you tell us where can we find and follow you, you know, online after listening to this? I hang quite a lot on Lenser and <laughs> so basically Stunny.lens. If you don't have a profile yet and you get super excited about decentralized social and you believe that you know social media should be something where you have the ownership and it's secured by the blockchain, send me a DM on Twitter, for example, and, and I will help you to get to test the Lens protocol beta. Amazing. Thanks so much. And I got to drop my Lens <laughs> handle too in case someone wants to give me a follow. JoshGordon.lens. I'll be posting this podcast episode up with some special perks figured out TBD at the moment. But with that, thanks for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'll catch you in the metaverse and I'll see you next week when we have a new episode. Peace out. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you so much for listening.